Hey everybody, it's Justin here and this is the My Therapy Podcast for Sunday, May 27th, 2018. Have an exciting show for you today. I don't know if it's exciting. Exciting is the wrong word. These are never exciting, I don't think. But um, I have a a good show for you today. I'll put it that way. It's with a friend of mine named Spencer Sharkey. Uh, we go a few years back and uh, how we came to do this podcast was that I put... Uh, put a tweet out a couple of months ago and said, I'm I'm looking to uh, do some new interviews for the podcast. And if you're interested or know someone who is interested or know someone who should be featured, uh, let me know and we'll see what we can do. Well, uh, I, I got all kinds of feedback from a lot of people that I didn't know and I didn't necessarily expect to hear from anybody I did know. And then out of the blue, Spencer messaged me. And I get into that a little bit in the in the conversation, so I'm not going to dwell on it too much, but it was interesting that uh, he wanted to do the podcast for a very different reason. That being, he does not suffer from a mental illness and has not suffered from a mental illness, but he has suffered from the loss of a loved one due to suicide. And I hadn't even thought of doing uh, a podcast like that. And when he asked if I'd be interested in talking to him, I thought, well... That's fantastic. That's a that sheds a whole new light on another element of uh, how we need to break down the stigma for this thing. Before we get into that, I just wanted to touch on one topic briefly. A little bit off topic from where this conversation is going to go, but um, at the same time, it's uh, it's relevant and it's current. When I was talking to Spencer, I uh, misspoke and I said committed suicide in reference to his cousin, who we will talk about in the conversation. I uh, I was, went to ask him a question and I used the term committed suicide. And um, I've got that part edited out of the conversation because uh, it's not appropriate, but I wanted to bring light to that. I didn't want to hide from the fact that I slipped up and used a term like that. And why that term is inappropriate is because there's a negative connotation associated with the term commit. Uh, someone commits a crime, someone commits uh, arson, someone commits a robbery. It, 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 it just has a negative connotation to it when you use that term. And for so long, like once upon a time, suicide was a crime, and maybe that's where it was derived from. But in this day and age, I think that uh, we need to do a better job of using uh, appropriate language around the topic of mental health and that uh, that term is probably at the top of the list. I did a, I did another podcast a while ago about language, but uh, it uh, it catches me every once in a while. I I consider myself uh, very alert and aware of the do's and don'ts around talking about mental health and how we can advance this uh, cause forward. And even I uh, slip up once in a while. And I was ashamed of myself when I said that, and I immediately corrected myself. At least I did that. I didn't just let it slide. Uh, I said to Spencer, I got to redo that, and then I reset it in a different way. So when you want to talk about somebody who is, uh, who's been a victim of suicide, you want to say that they died by suicide because commit is a negative connotation, and we don't want a negative connotation of that. We don't want there to be an inherent guilt or an, an inherent shame associated with that act because there's a lot of people out there once upon a time, including myself, that wanted to go down that route and uh, shame is a big part of that. There's a, there's a shame associated with it and uh, it makes you feel worse. 
And if uh, we remove terms like commit suicide, I think it does a small thing to really kind of take away that uh, that shame and guilt that's associated and, you know, try to instead advance the conversation. Advance the conversation by uh, letting people know it's okay not to be okay. And uh, you shouldn't have to put any more pressure on yourself to feel awful than more so than you already do when you're in that state. And I think that using a term like committed suicide does that. Anyway, just wanted to touch on that. And uh, I guess at this point, uh, I'll just jump into the conversation with Spencer. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. I hope you get something from it. I hope that... Uh, I hope that there's more people like Spencer that come out and are willing to talk about their experience losing someone to suicide. So if you're listening to this and you'd like to do the same, uh, give me a shout. You can tweet me at jdickie, D-I-C-K-I-E on Twitter. Let's uh, let's help tell stories and reduce stigma and uh, take the guilt and shame away from thoughts of suicide. So after the tunes here, you will hear me and Spencer Sharkey. Enjoy. Joining me on the podcast today is Spencer Sharkey, uh, old buddy of mine, lives in Calgary now, home for the week. And uh, took an evening to sit down with me, so thanks for doing that. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you, you had a lot of things you could have been doing tonight, but you decided to come here. Hey, this is uh, this is an important one, so glad okay, to be here. Okay, so I guess uh, we could start with some backstory on us. Um, you work, you're back from Calgary, you work for yep. Hockey Canada now. Yep. That's a big move for you in the last couple of months. Yeah. How's that been going? It's been going really well. Uh, I was pretty scared when I first went out there. I think I wanted to get back on the plane as soon as we landed but uh kind of gotten used to it now over the past three months three and a half months now and it's good it's a cool city you've been there three and a half months three and a half months already that's crazy yeah. Yeah. uh when i came out to hamilton work for the bulldogs uh i kind of i don't know if this is how you felt but there was like probably two dozen times between when i got here in july when the season started that i almost like packed up went home yeah yeah i've had a few of those where i've been like I haven't had one in a while, but it's just like, it's more like missing friends and family and you just want to see everyone. And I think that's really what makes me or has made me want to come home a few times. Yeah. But yeah, I've had those moments too, but now you kind of get past the hump, I think, and kind of get comfortable with the way your life is. Yeah. Once you start to get familiar with your surroundings, you start to get to know the people you work yeah. with a little bit and it starts to become more familiar. Yeah. It, yeah. You kind of get used to it. For sure. And uh, it's always it's always a, a conversation between Caitlin and I whether or not we're going to stick around here or not. But uh, you know we've kind of get used to this place, and I mean it's it, it feels kind of like home now. Right. So it's been almost five years for me. So wow. yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So we go back a few years. Um, you uh, you were one of our communications interns in the twenty. 14-15 season with the Bulldogs. Yeah. Um, so I guess I technically hired you, and then we worked together for that season. After that season, um, 
you had committed to coming back with me and then I things kind of went sideways. I, I lost my job and then yeah. you kind of reevaluated things. Right. And then my boss, Aaron went over to the Thai cats and then he needed an intern. And I was kind of like, you should get mm-hmm. Spencer. He's good. So he took you on and you were what an intern and then what? Intern. How- then I did a five month contract as a communications coordinator and then had a few months off and was hired back in I finished the contract in December 1st and was hired back February 15th of the following year. So that would have been 2017. No, I'm thinking 20. I don't even know. So 2015, I was the, I was an intern 2016. I was contract February of 2017. You were full time, full time. And then the following February, almost to the day, a year to the day, I got my next job. Wow. Yeah. And uh, it's nice for me to see that progression to go for you or an intern yeah, for me. Uh, so you've kind of, you have to give all the credit to me for everything you've done. I, I certainly do. No, yeah. absolutely not. That's <laughs> anyway, that's fine. That's funny. Uh, okay. So let's get into the actual conversation sure. here. Um, I put out a tweet uh, a couple, maybe a couple months ago now that I wanted, I was sort of soliciting people to do this podcast mm-hmm. and I expected to get some people that I don't know to come out. And I did. I got all kinds of people right. that said, hey, I'd like to be in your podcast. People I've never met, people that have their own stories, their own struggle right. with mental illness. But um, And then you sent me a text, mm-hmm. and uh, that caught me off guard a little bit because um, I didn't expect somebody that I knew to to want to be on it as well. And especially someone – the last thing – not the last thing, but it kind of caught me off guard because – I am. I was not aware of anything that you'd ever struggled with, and actually, mm-hmm. you've never. You have never actually. You know, at least, you don't think you've. You would not right. consider yourself to ever been depressed. Right. Your story was one of a family member dying by suicide. Right. So, I guess first of all, um, what uh, what made you feel like it would be a good thing to do this and talk about that on this thing? Uh, I just think over the years, the conversation about mental health has just picked up. Uh, so much and then I saw that you were doing this and I knew it was important to you um, and this has always been important to me as well uh, just with my my personal experience with my family uh, so I figured you know if my my story were to help anyone this is a good way to kind of get that message out there I don't really talk about it a whole lot with too many people I mean my friends they know what has happened but they don't really know the the ins and outs of it um, pretty much the only people that do are, are my family and the ones that kind of went through it together. I guess I kind of know about this story, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll ask you to expand on it. I remember we were sitting in my office before a game once and yeah. I had kind of made a offhand comment about the 53 that's in your Twitter handle. because it's right. Sharky 53. Sharky 53. And uh, I, I think I made a joke about it and then you right. kind of said, well, this is what it's about. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's awkward. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have said that. So tell me about that. Yeah, and I should say, like, you, I hear a lot of, not jokes, and people are like, oh, why the 53? And, like, sometimes just like, oh, it's just my number. But, you know, when people ask about it, I'm not, uh, not ashamed or scared to talk about it. So 53 has kind of become a really important number or symbol for my family. Um, my cousin, uh, his name was Ryan, who passed away in 2003 from suicide, uh, you know, active kid, uh, played hockey, played football, uh, and always wore the number 53. And that was kind of his, you know, that was his symbol. 
And then after he passed, um, my cousin's family, they got a 53 symbol made up with angel wings and a halo above it just to kind of symbolize, you know, him in, in life and in passing as well. And that just kind of stuck with us and resonated with us. And it's kind of the, a, a memory of him. And it also kind of helps us cope, I think. So you said this happened in uh, 2003. 2003, um, yeah. You were how old? I would have been in grade six. So Sorry. what, maybe 12 years old? Um, can you kind of, I guess, maybe uh, maybe a little vague, but can you walk me through kind of what... Uh, what happened, I guess, mm-hmm. I don't have to go into detail about the suicide, but like kind of what happened with your family? How did yeah. they react and what kind of what was the aftermath? Yeah, I, you know what, to be honest, I remember the day that my parents told me like it was yesterday. I, I have a terrible memory, but that has stuck with me forever. Um, I remember, you know, I was playing hockey at the time and we had a team get together meeting, whatever you want to call it. And I remember driving home from the arena that night. My dad didn't say a word. My dad is a very talkative guy. He did not say anything. And now, I, and I look back on it, you know, over the years, and like I, I know he was crying in the car. And I thought it was pretty weird, but I didn't think too much of it. Um, you know, maybe, you know, he had, you know, something was going on. And again, I'm a kid. I, you know, I don't really pay attention a whole lot to those kind of things. I'm happy to be, you know, coming home from hockey and going home to to my parents and I remember getting there and my brother was in his room and you know, that's on, you know, uncharacteristic. We were always pretty close. And then my mom came out and sat me down on the couch and they said, you know, your, your cousin passed away and they didn't say what had happened, but I, you know, I stopped listening after that because I was so, I was pretty shaken up. And again, being 12 years old, when I found out what did happen, I didn't really catch on at first. My parents had told me he'd been in a, an accident, a car accident. And we went to visit the site eventually. And I was still trying to figure out what had happened. Uh, I remember saying to my mom, oh, did, did he miss the turn? You know, because he uh, drove into essentially a brick barrier. So I thought maybe, you know, he lost control of the vehicle. And it turned out, you know, it was, uh, he had taken his own life. And, uh, that kind of, it kind of changed the way that I, um, felt at the time. It, I, I can't lie. It, it crushed me to, to think that that's how it happened. I know. How did they break the news to you that he, that, that, that's actually what he did? Uh, I don't know if I can really remember. I just remember being at the, the site and kind of my mom saying, no, like Spencer wasn't an accident. And I, I kind of, you know, being 12 or 13, whatever it might have been, just kind of started to piece it together. And I just remember just tears came over me. And I, you know, I was just so, it was just so hard to imagine at that time being a 12-year-old, 13-year-old kid. You're pretty much always happy. You're always glad to be doing, you know, what 12 and 13-year-olds do. And to think that that can happen to someone, it really... It really shocks you. Did you understand the concept? No, not at all. I like, like I said, I didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't know why. You know, that was one of the things that I, I always asked was why, why, like, why did this happen? 
and I don't I don't think I really I don't think I really got it until you know a few years later when I was a little bit older you know you these things kind of start to be uh, you know the conversation starts to pick up about these things a little bit more and you kind of piece the puzzle together a little bit how did they uh, determine that it wasn't an accident they did some investigations on the vehicle um, and where my so what had happened was he left in the morning whether it was for school or work I can't exactly remember and they live in uh, Grimsby Ontario which is uh, a smaller smaller city and they're kind of on the the outskirts of town if you will so there's not too much around there so it was it was pretty obvious what had happened it was essentially a dead end street that mm. the accident occurred at so it wasn't like the investigation wouldn't have been basically you know, ongoing it was kind of obvious yeah yeah, yeah i think uh you kind of went I to a scene they, that you thought you were going to see an accident right and explain that it was not yeah and yeah. like i said we weren't at the actual scene of the accident but we went there um you know prior to the funeral so it would have been however long after just to you know take things all in yeah uh, so even then like looking back on it now it's it was pretty obvious to me that that was the only um the only possibility were there ever how old was he uh he would have been 19 18 19 i believe had he graduated high school yeah yeah like kind of going to college uh i'm not too sure actually the the sad thing about this is we you know being six seven eight years apart we weren't that close our, our families weren't that close so i didn't really know what was going on in his life okay um but i can tell you that our families have been so much closer since then were there any warning signs of did anybody tell you that like they knew that something was wrong or no no we um we always assumed ryan was the you know a happy-go-lucky guy a friend to everyone and it just kind of happened out of the blue. And I think, you know, his parents and his sister would agree as well that there wasn't really any signs. And um, maybe it was because there was no, the conversation wasn't as um, strong as it is today, that maybe the, the signs weren't as apparent, which is unfortunate. But no, I don't think there were really too many signs. I think it was just, you know, it happened. And then kind of look back on, you know, what what it was did his family or your family ever get any answers like did he uh, not to pry but mm -hmm. like did he leave a note behind or was it just kind of like um, he just kind of left and that was the, like you, you don't have closure on it i don't think so i have never seen a letter or anything um you know maybe there was and to be honest i think that is something that would be more of the immediate families. Yeah, and probably you know? none of our business. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Um, I don't, and I don't know if that would give me closure or not. Yeah, I think you know, as as hard as it was, just having someone gone like that, you know, leaving something behind is mm. also a a very tough thing to see for for us. 
Yeah. I I mean, I I've had my own struggles, mm-hmm. but I've never actually been directly affected by a family member right. or a friend that has died by suicide. Mm-hmm. So um just kind of on the outside looking in, I feel like if that had happened to me or it had impacted me in that way, I just, a part of me feels like it would be, a, if I had an explanation, it would kind of help. Right. Help things. If that, sure. there's no way to help it. That's maybe helps not the right word, right. but no, I know what you're it's kind of, you wouldn't be asking yourself why your entire right. life, you know? Yeah. And wow. you know, I agree with that. And I think, every so often things come up and I, I remember even, you know, it's been almost 14 and a half years now, but when it first happened in the first couple months, years, whatever it might've been, there would just be things that would, you know, even for me personally, would just kind of trigger some emotions. Um, I remember cleaning out some old stuff in my bedroom and I came across a, uh, you know, almost like a ticket stub and, um, you know, Ryan was a big Thai Cats fan, actually. Um, so the ticket stub said, this entitles you to, you know, a Tiger Cats game with Ryan. And I saw that, like, this was, I can't remember, maybe six months after. And again, it just, like, I just started bawling. And again, I'm, like, 13 years old, maybe, at the time. And my parents don't know what to say. Like, they're as emotional as I am. And I just remember my mom saying, you know, what's, what's going on? Like, what's going through your mind? And all I said was, I, I'll never be able to do this. I won't be able to go to a Thai Cats game with Ryan. And that's like, that's something that I've always kind of, I've always remembered feeling that. This kind of that sense of not being able to, you know, have a relationship with him or do those things like go to a Thai Cats game, you know, and it's just, you get those every so often where something comes up and it just makes you remember, um, you know, who Ryan was and all those family events that you were at together. Right. When you saw that ticket stub, did it kind of, did that change the way you looked at it at all? Did it kind of make it real or just was this kind of bringing back the memories that had kind of passed in six months? I think a bit of both. I think it, it made it more real and it just, kind of brought back that feeling that I had, you know, I had gone through with my parents, you know, and it was just, it was just like a sudden realization that this is, this is real. And, you know, we're all still kind of recovering from this. Um, maybe this comes off a little cheesy, but <laughs> did, uh, did working for the Thai cats hold mm-hmm. any extra special meaning, you know, knowing that he was such a fan? That, for sure. yeah, yeah, for Did sure. That could go through your mind. Oh, of course. Yeah. I I remember thinking, you know, the first few days that I worked there, like it's just I don't know if weird is the right word, um, but just the fact that being able to work there, knowing that you know, I you know I wasn't a huge Thai Cats fan growing up. I got more into it later in life, but knowing that my cousin and and some of our family members were big Thai Cats fans. It it was definitely special to me, and and it'll always kind of hold a special place in my heart. Hmm. Um, going back to kind of after it happened, I'd mm-hmm. asked earlier about how did the how did the family kind of take it in the aftermath. His family and and your immediate family kind of you know how did you deal in the in the days and the weeks following? A lot of tears, you know. Um, I 
can't think of any people stronger than my aunt and uncle and my cousin um, to have to go through something like that and lose your son and your brother is, you know, it's one thing to be a, you know, a family member. It's definitely, it's unimaginable, but to have it happen to your, to your son, to your brother, I could not imagine that feeling. And to see them now from where they were, you know, 14 years ago or even 10 years ago, even five years ago is amazing to see. And, um, I think the way that we deal with it, dealt with it, sorry, was, uh, just being there for each other, being closer. Like I said earlier, we weren't always the closest. We saw each other at the odd family birthday or someone's anniversary or Christmas, but we weren't, you know, we weren't super close and as strange as it might be to say the the trauma that we went through made us closer, I think out of necessity. Hmm. As the years have gone on, does it get easier? I think it does. Um, it's, you know, it's never easy, but I think you kind of, you know, you move forward as best you can. Uh, I know for me personally, like I said, things still come up where I, it makes me think um, about the past. Uh, but yeah, I think it, I think it gets a little easier, uh, but it's always a hole that can never be filled for sure. I'm going to ask this at the beginning, but uh, I'm going to put it out there again. Yeah. Why did you want to talk to me about this? I just know how important the conversation about mental health is and having gone through um, a suicide in the family and not having experienced depression or any sort of mental illness myself. I just thought it was important to put the story out there um, in case anyone else is, you know, ever felt you know similar emotions to what ryan felt uh, obviously i can never imagine what that's like but to be able to sit here and, and talk about what happened to our family and how we kind of uh, had to go through some pretty uh, serious some pretty serious trauma is i think it's important for people to hear and like i said i don't i don't talk about it openly as often as i should maybe so this is a good way to kind of get that out there as someone who has faced this as as a, a family member of someone who has died by suicide, if you had another family member that was struggling or if you suspected they were struggling, how would you – would you look at that? Would Do you feel like you could take a proactive approach to trying to help them or like any – has this, you know, kind of – has this readied you for, you know – trying to intervene or anything like that? I don't know if it's readied me, but it's definitely made me more aware and to kind of pay attention more. And I think that's a, a good place to start. Whether or not I have the tools to help someone, uh, just because I've, you know, I've had to go through this experience, it remains to be seen. But I definitely think I would be more inclined to ask questions if I thought, it was the time to ask questions and, and kind of be more involved in the conversation. And this is a good start. And like I'd mentioned to you before about uh, Bell, let's talk how I said oh, that in 2003, I don't recall that being. No, I think it's only been around like eight years. Or right. Something. Yeah. So to be able to 
do something as simple as send a tweet or a Facebook post or whatever it might be to kind of get the conversation going is something that I always make sure that I'm doing. There's certain instances in your life where it kind of brings it all back. Like I expect like every time Bella's talk comes around, mm-hmm. like you're thinking about him. Like, do you have kind of points in time where you're like, man, it just, that keep, just keeps, it starts rushing back all of a sudden. Yeah. There's, there's tons of them. There's Bella's talk is a, a big one for sure. Uh, his birthday, which, um, you know, my, my cousin always posts a nice birthday message on Facebook. So it, it definitely brings back some emotions. Um, the other big one is um, is Devil's Night, actually, because that's when it happened. So for for a kid to be, you know, thinking about Halloween the next day is, you know, that's one of the greatest things ever. You get to dress up in costume, and I, that's how I felt for the longest time. And then this happened, and it, you know, not that I don't like Halloween because of this, but it's just like a reminder every year. Kind of a damper on things. Every year, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I remember the year it happened, we were supposed to be having a, a Halloween party at school and I had to miss it. And ever since then, you know, it's been, uh, it's just been a reminder and it kind of brings me back a little bit. Like if you really knew, like you saw a change in a family member, you're like, man, there's something going on. What would you say to that person given the experience you've had with someone dying by suicide? Mm. That's a, that's a tough question. I don't, I don't sitting here. I don't know what exactly I would say, but I think it's just saying something. That's the most important part. Um, A lot of people don't do that. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we're all guilty of doing that sometimes. Um, and it's it's hard when it's someone that is so close to you. Like if it was a, you know, I have a brother. If it was my own brother, it would be extremely difficult to have that conversation. But I think just saying something, you know, are you okay? Is there anything you need to tell me? Anything along those lines to just kind of just to get someone to open up can go a long way. Say something's a good message, yeah, I think, because... I find a lot of this is something that I keep saying is don't be afraid of an awkward conversation. Right. That if, if you think there's a change in somebody and they don't seem right, it's it's a better option to talk to them and they're like, no, everything's fine. Why are you bothering me? Right. It's, that's a better situation than not saying something and then something happens. Right. Okay. Um, is, there, is there anything else that you kind of wanted to mention that we haven't talked about? I don't think so. All right. Well, uh, thanks for doing this, man. And no uh, it's 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 important. I I interact with people on on Twitter with the sick not weak hashtag. Who it affects mm-hmm. directly. The people are suffering with depression or anxiety right. or bipolar or whatever it is. They're suffering, and like I, all of those people are like, yeah, we need to do something about this. But right. when somebody like you comes along, who's you know, I haven't personally. This this illness and illness hasn't directly affected me, right. but um, I'm an advocate nonetheless, which sure. which you've done right here now. Um, p- people like you are are important are an important part of this. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, thanks for doing this, man. No and thanks uh, for having me. Keep killing it in Calgary, I'll, and I'll uh, try. and uh, I look forward to seeing what's next for you. Thank you. Thanks, man. 
All right, that's a wrap on episode 23 of the My Therapy Podcast. Thank you so much to Spencer Sharkey for taking the time out of his schedule, uh, coming in from Calgary for a week to see family and friends and taking an evening to sit down with me and talk about uh, a tough topic for him, but I think a very important topic for the for the greater good of this cause. I've got, uh, I'm going to try to pound out another episode uh, this coming week, probably try to do another interview, set something up soon. As I mentioned before, Mark Hennick's a big one that I want to get uh, taken care of sooner than later. Got to circle back with him, see if we can work something out. I've got a uh, training camp with my uh, football club that uh, I'm working for now, and uh, it's been pretty hectic, and it's, uh, I guess, difficult to align schedules with some people, so going to keep working on that and I hope that we can see uh, see Mark on this podcast real soon and uh, as I mentioned on the previous one and maybe even the podcast before that a couple of uh, podcasters fellow podcasters that I look up to and admire I want to get them on the podcast as well so lots of uh, conversations still to be had I'll try to check in once in a while with a solo one as well but uh, I think it's time to get back into a couple more conversations so I'll leave it at that and uh Enjoy your day. Uh, like and share this podcast on Twitter. Put it on Facebook. Like it on SoundCloud. And uh, do everything you can to help me push this forward. I want to get my numbers up. I want uh, as many people listen to this thing as possible. And anything that you can do to help me with that, it would be so appreciated. Just uh, if you want to tag me in it on Twitter, my username on Twitter is J-D-I-C-K-I-E. So just... Uh, Give me a shout on Twitter, and uh, I'd love to have a conversation with you. This podcast was brought to you by Dickie's Meats because my dad pays for the hosting. Uh, he pays me $20 a month for hosting. It only costs 16 so I make $4 a month on this podcast, making it rain. Anyway, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. 